friends with Cinefits. I am one of your hosts, Alex McAllister, and with me, as always now, Kane Dennis. Kane, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here in person with you this time. I know, recording. this is crazy. Um, we just watched the movie that we're going to talk about, and then now we're recording in person. I'm in old Indiana. It's very muggy. Um, but hey, what can you do? So... What have you been watching? What have you been up to? Hit me. Uh, recently, I just finished, like most other people did, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier yep. on Disney+. Plus. Really enjoyed it. It was kind of more of just your standard Marvel project than WandaVision was, which mm-hmm. I expected. Mm-hmm. But really looking forward to Loki in June. Of course. I Can't was, wait for that. I was not excited at all for WandaVision, and then it blew me away. And I was very excited for Falcon and Winter Soldier, and I was disappointed. Um, <laughs> just because Winter Soldier is my favorite superhero, I was expecting a lot of him. But like we talked about earlier, it's mostly just Falcon. It's the Falcon show. Yeah. And then he's got a little buddy, the Winter Soldier, that runs around with him. So that's a little disappointing. But yeah, like you said, Loki's going to be great, hopefully. And I'm very excited. From the trailer, I expect it to be really good. Yeah, the same. Um if more trailers come out, I probably won't watch them just because I don't want everything to get spoiled or I don't know. I try to avoid trailers. How do you deal with trailers? I love trailers. Really? I I usually watch them. Sometimes if there's like two or three trailers for a movie, I'll mm-hmm. just watch the first one because I'm on the same boat. I yeah. don't want to have everything given away. Yeah. But I kind of like to know what I'm getting into. Yeah. I don't like... If I do watch a trailer, I won't go on YouTube and watch trailer breakdowns. Like, there's a while I did stuff like that, and the new Star Wars trilogy was coming out. I'd be like, oh, this one said this, and then now I just don't care. I just want to go in and be surprised. Yeah, there's definitely value to going in without knowing very much. Mm -hmm. I I watch a little bit of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I kind of like hearing what other people have to say, but I don't always. Exactly. But also, um, I saw Nobody recently. Of course. And I absolutely loved it. Same. Bob Odenkirk was incredible in it. I agree. And dare I say, I think I liked it more than John Wick. I, if I was given the choice to watch that or a John Wick movie, I think I'd go Nobody, just because it's a lot more lighthearted and easier to watch. Um, Yeah, it's great. And if anyone hasn't seen it, check it out. It'll be hopefully hitting streaming services soon. I don't know if they have like a pay for it. It is streaming right now, but okay. you got to pay like 20 bucks. so yeah. just wait till it hits Netflix or something, exactly. honestly. Or see it in the theater if it's safe to do that where you're at. Yeah. Um, I loved it. I went and saw it in the Dolby Atmos, so it's going pretty wild, all the gunshots and stuff. But You're making me jealous, because here in Indiana, <laughs> we don't have one of those. Yeah. We've got IMAX, but that's the closest we've got. Yep. I'd love if our AMC would put a Dolby Cinema in. Of course. That would be <laughs> nice. I wish all <laughs> the theaters would have one. Um, one thing about Nobody real quick is that I didn't know um, Christopher Lloyd was yeah. alive. And then he was in that <laughs> yeah. movie, in an action movie. Um, they don't have him do a lot because he's pretty old, but I was very surprised when I saw him. Yeah, I thought he fit the role really well, too. Yeah, um, so that was pretty cool. And I can't remember the other person in it. Uh, Riza. Yeah, yeah. Riza. So... Yeah, I thought it was good. I didn't know anyone in it other than Bob Odenkirk, like, going in. I was just, oh, it's John Wick with Bob Odenkirk? I have to see that. Yeah, I'm a huge Bob Odenkirk fan ever since Breaking Bad, so anything he's in, I'll pretty much watch. I agree. I also recently saw Nomadland, which just this past weekend won Best Picture at the Oscars. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't have been my choice for Best Picture, but I understand why it won. I'm just not a giant fan of it myself. I found it kind of boring. But. I've also seen what is currently my favorite movie of the year so far in another round. Yeah. Would you have given that best picture? Yes. Okay. If it were if it were in the running for best picture, yeah. I probably would have given it. Awesome. My personal pick, um, I always do predictions every year because I kind of like seeing how much I can get right and get wrong. This is my worst year I've ever had. Really? I missed nine this year, so okay. kind of ashamed of that. But my pick for best picture out of the ones that were running was Minari, mm-hmm. and I would have been cool with Minari... Or Sound of Metal, or um, Promising Young Woman. Mm-hmm. Any of those three, I think, were worthy winners. Yeah, I and think the only I've, one I'd seen was Promising Young Woman, and so I was rooting yeah, for that Yeah, which one. we saw together, and yeah. it was awesome. But 
I can't really make a huge judgment because I haven't yet seen The Father or Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah. So there's oh, and I didn't see Trial of Chicago Seven either. So there were three movies running for it that I didn't even see this year. Yeah, the only I've only seen one, so I felt real guilty. Um, a lot of the others have been on my watch list, just haven't gotten around to it. Yep. Um, you know how that goes. Uh, speaking of movies that were on my watch list that I did get around to, I've been watching a lot of like classic Hollywood movies. So I watched. Singing in the Rain. Cool. And it was so good. Um, I've not seen it. I've been wanting to get oh, around so to good. more of those classics. Yeah. That's kind of a blind spot for me, honestly, is like old Hollywood movies. Yeah. If you need any recommendations, let me know. Um, like, they, th- like 30s to 60s, I'm very blind on that. I haven't seen very many. They have a ton on HBO Max. I've seen the Turner Classic Movie section on there. And yeah. I... My watch list on HBO Max is about three miles long. <laughs> yeah, same. They have so many good movies on there. Um, and then I also watched, like, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington and The Philadelphia Story. Oh, I love Jimmy Stewart. Same. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life is my favorite Christmas movie. Uh, me too. I watched that for the first time this past Christmas. Really? Yeah, I was just oh, blown it's, away. It's fantastic. It's such a good, good, good movie. Yeah, and um, I also watched Casablanca. With Ingrid Bergman, who I'm in love with, obviously. Um, so that was a great one. And other than that, I watched a lot of... I don't even know how to describe them. Just easier to watch movies. Like, I watched You've Got Mail. Um, okay. Who's in that? Tom Hanks and oh, Meg Ryan. Yeah. I went through a Tom Hanks phase, I guess. Okay. I watched Turner and Hooch. Uh, Big. <laughs> oh, I love and, Big. Big yeah. is awesome. Anything with Tom Hanks... I'm down. Tom Hanks and Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger, they're they're my two guys. A League of Their Own, filmed here in Southern Indiana. Uh, of course. I still haven't seen that. Oh, you got to. I don't it's like... really, really good. If we do a sports movies episode, that's one to see. I don't like sports movies, but if we do one, then, you know, I'll obviously check that out. Um, and other than that, I guess I haven't watched... I say I haven't watched any movies. I've been watching a bunch, but yeah, there's there's not really much else I think that I've seen that's really worth talking about. Yeah, um, but if anyone's seen any of those, write in. Let us know what you guys think of them. I'm excited. I hope some people have seen Nobody and will tell us they also loved it. Because um, yeah, at this time I just try to watch. If I see something in the theaters that's going to be in the theaters, I'll definitely pay and go to it just to support them. Like you said, if that's safe in people's areas, then definitely do that. Me too. Here in here in Indiana, where I am usually, it is pretty easy to go and not have anybody else in the theater right now. Yeah. First off, because there's not really much to see. And second off, because there's hardly ever anybody at the movie theaters here. It, yeah, exactly. Especially if you go during the day. Yeah. It's pretty nice. And if anybody has anything that you've seen that we didn't mention and you want to know what we think about it, let us know that too. Yeah. I'm always open to suggestions. Same. That's why my my watch list and my the movies I buy physically and just sit there, they're way too long and I yep. have way too many movies right now, but I love it. Oh, me too. It's a great I, problem to have. I love knowing that I've always got something to watch. Yeah. No matter the mood, no matter the genre. Yep. Always got something to pick. Exactly. And there's still times where I'm just sitting there like, I have no clue what to watch, but that's just, there's so many options and... I don't know what I'm in the mood for. It's kind of immobilizing having so many choices in front of you. Like, oh, no. Yeah. And a lot of the time, I end up watching nothing. I'll just play Xbox yeah. or something. Like, exactly. oh, I should have watched a movie. Or I'll watch something I've seen a hundred times, like yep. Paddington. Um, but hey. I'll throw Disney Plus on and put a Star Wars movie on. There you go. Because I'm too lazy to grab the Blu-ray off my shelf. <laughs> that, that's how it happens sometimes. <laughs> yep. Um, so with that being said, we'll kind of get into our topic for this week. Absolutely. Which... Um, I guess the movies that we're going to talk about aren't that related to it. It's more just like the themes in the movies relate to what we're going to talk about. And if you listened last time, we were talking about Lovecraftian horror. Um, if you don't know, H.P. Lovecraft was an author way back when, like, uh, late 1800s, I believe. And... He deals with a lot of, like, cosmic terror and big monsters, stuff like that. I'll, I'll read some more about it later. Um, you can buy his complete works on Amazon in this big book. And I made that mistake. And right now it is a microphone 
tray for us, the microphone sitting on it, because it is the biggest book I've ever owned, and it is incomprehensible to read. The The font is so small. It's like it's four terrible. point font. Yeah. It's, it's unreadable. So if you're interested in reading some of his work, don't buy the one, the complete works. Um, just buy a few short stories and go from there because I tried reading a few of them and I just would get lost. It was way too hard. Yeah. And another thing is with most of these movies, even though they're based off of his brand of horror, there's not really any unified source material. It's kind of yeah. just in the spirit of his work. Exactly. Uh, carrying it on basically. I've seen so many things get linked to being Lovecraftian horror, and I think what the movies we'll talk about definitely are, but there's others like um, even Alien and The Thing and... Yeah, Event Horizons one that I've yeah. seen mentioned. A few of those are kind of tied to being Lovecraftian horror, and I guess I'll read this because I got it pulled up, um, just kind of an overall description of Lovecraftian horror. So here we go. Lovecraftian horror, sometimes used interchangeably with cosmic horror, is a subgenre of horror fiction and weird fiction that emphasizes the horror of the unknowable and incomprehensible, more than gore and other elements of shock. It is named after American author H.P. Lovecraft. His work emphasizes themes of cosmic dread, forbidden and dangerous knowledge, madness, non-human influences on humanity, religion, and superstition, Fate and inevitability, and the risks associated with scientific discoveries. Um, the cosmic themes of Lovecraftian horror can be found most notably in horror films, horror games, and comics. And I think the most well-known um, Lovecraftian story is Cthulhu. That's definitely where I heard of them. I yeah, think. that's the first I've heard of, too. There's movies, yeah. video games, books, everything based on Cthulhu. Yeah, and... I think the first I heard was on South Park. I think they had Cthulhu come and like <laughs> wreck the town or something. Um, I read some of these to you, Kane, but I'm going to read them again so our listeners can hear some. But he, these are some of his aliases. Um, High Priest of the Great Old Ones. The Great Dreamer. The Slumbering One. Um, and then here's some of his powers and skills. Immortality. Immense size, flight, vast dark powers, um, shape shifting, plasma manipulation, pretty much anything. Um, and his hobbies are <laughs> dreaming and being worshipped. So, pretty much the same as me. Um, <laughs> and, oh, yeah, some of his crimes I thought were funny um, madness inducement, terrorism, mass murder and destruction of stars and type of villain he's a cataclysmic dark messiah so it's a pretty comprehensive description yeah. i think all of that stuff like just reading it it gets me so pumped and i'm like this is so cool yeah. i don't know what any of this <laughs> means but it sounds badass um yeah that's how i feel so we'll just talk about some of the lovecraftian horror movies that we've seen yeah. and i guess i'll start with one that I you haven't seen, but it's actually based off of a Lovecraft short story, and that's The Reanimator. Um, yeah, The Reanimator is about Dr. Herbert West, and it's kind of his attempt to reanimate humans, make zombies, essentially. Uh, so when someone dies, you know, he tries to make them into a zombie, and it doesn't go well. Um it reminds me of like Cronenberg movies where it just ends up being like it's super gory and like a lot of blood and just a big blob is the bad guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty good one and I think that's a good place to start for anyone that wants to see like a classic Lovecraftian movie. Um, but I didn't really like it, I guess. I was kind of bored other than it's a lot of crazy stuff going on and I was like trying to see... Like the Lovecraftian themes in it. Yeah. But once you get past that, I was just like, I thought the movie was kind of boring. Was it kind of just a horror movie? Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely more of like a slasher from the 80s where yeah, a like lot a, of Yeah, like blood. a B-movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you have one that you want to talk about? Yes. Um, I would like to start with talking about The Void. 
Yes. Which I watched. Very low budget, uh, small production Canadian horror film. Came out in 2016, right? 2016, I, I saw I saw differing okay. opinions on the release. Even if it did come out in 2016, I don't know if it was out in the States till later. Because I think yeah. it had a very, very small release. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was really cool. And um, it's kind of just, it all mainly takes place in a hospital in a small town. Mm-hmm. Very confined, very small sets. Really great costume design with the yeah. cultists. Yeah. I thought that was cool. I was kind of hoping, like, when you're watching it and the cultists happen, I was like, I just kind of want this to be a cult movie where yeah. it's them with their triangle-looking masks. I, um, I think I might have preferred that to what it actually ended up becoming, I agree. honestly. Um, but the effects later on were oh, incredible. Yeah. Even on the low budget that they had, the practical effects and the gore and like the violent scenes in the movie mm-hmm. were awesome. Yes. It very much threw back to like those 80s slashers mm-hmm. or monster-type movies. Mm-hmm. But with a bit of a modern spin, I didn't think the performances were great, no. didn't think the dialogue was great, no. didn't think the story was great, but I was extremely entertained all throughout because yeah. of how great the effects were. It has a bunch of, well, I would call them nobodies because I hadn't heard of them except for their, the girl from Scott Pilgrim's in there. That, um, oh. Kitty, I can't remember, Knives. Knives Chow? Knives yeah. Chow is in it. That is her. Yeah. I didn't even realize that when I was watching it. I did wow. immediately. I was like... Oh, it's someone I know, which is crazy for such a low-budget movie. Yeah, um, that's, that's. I don't think I was expecting to see anybody I knew. Yeah, so, so you just, even if I would have recognized her, I don't. I think it went way over my head. Yeah, and there were so many times when like character motivations didn't make any sense in that movie, but it's just like, hey, we're just yeah. along for the ride. We just need an excuse to have cool effects and <laughs> shoot some monsters and have crazy lights. Yeah, and black pyramids everywhere. Yep, and <laughs> I mean it works and it's fun. So. I think I'll actually rewatch that come October when I'm yeah. watching horror movies. I would definitely watch it with friends around Halloween. Yeah, time. it's not one that you'd be like, "Oh, this is my favorite," but it's yeah, a group one to setting. watch. Yeah, um, so I definitely I would recommend that movie to anyone that like is into Lovecraftian genres. Um, it was kind of hard to get. I think I don't remember, but I streamed it on. It was, I think, Crackle. Okay, I it's don't a, even have it's Crackle. It's a free streaming app that is okay. ad-supported, so you'll get about That's 17 ad breaks <laughs> during the movie, but you'll get to watch it for free. There you go. Uh, yeah, I checked out Tubi. They have so many good movies on there, yeah. and it's the same thing, just I don't think it's a lot of ads. It's probably, probably like you're watching it on TV, just a, a little bit lo- yeah, less. Yeah, and I'm exaggerating a bit, because yeah. any ads are annoying, but <laughs> I mean, to watch a movie that you haven't paid for for free, it's it's a pretty good trade-off, I think. Yeah, exactly. And so, if you have pretty much every streaming service and just haven't checked those out, add them to your rotation, because there's no downside to just throwing those on your phone. Yeah, if you find yourself streaming for the same things, it's always good to kind of branch out and see what other places have to offer, because there's good mm-hmm. stuff out there, even on things that may look... Not the best, like Crackle. Exactly. And even, I kind of looked forward... Cracker, Crackle's not going to sponsor us. <laughs> no, after unfortunately. This. Tubi might. I'm a big <laughs> Tubi guy. I like Tubi too. Um, I actually looked forward to the ads, because, you know, in a, when I'm watching a movie, I'll check my phone or something, but I, like, made a rule. Only when ads are out, I can check my phone. And yeah. so that actually helped me to focus during the movie. But, yeah, if I had to watch everything with ads, I'd be pretty upset. Me too. Um, and another movie that I watched, Lovecraftian, was Cthulhu Mansion, which is a very low-budget movie. I don't even know how to describe it. Am I've never be... seen anything like it. Um, Am I going to be glad I didn't watch this one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it was not cool. It was just different. Um, they just go to this mansion that kind of has, I guess, like Cthulhu's powers, where like just people are getting driven to madness. But it also has like drug dealers and like chicks being naked for no reason. Um, this like weird magician guy. Not great. I didn't think it had a lot <laughs> to do with Lovecraftian, but. Um, yeah, I definitely wouldn't check it out. But if anyone has seen it, I think only like the Not a Bomb guys might have heard of it. But so if you guys have heard of it, let me know because 
I had never heard of it. I just saw it at Entertain Mart, my favorite place in the world. And I was just like, hey, Cthulhu, I'll buy it. Yeah. And yeah, you're lucky you didn't check it out. I've got to check out Entertain Mart sometime. I've got to get out that way and <laughs> see it. Course. It sounds nice. It's we don't the have best place like in the here. world. Okay, so next. Do you want to just get into kind of like our three main movies? Yeah, let's do it. Let's let's go in. Um, this will probably be a bit of a shorter episode because it's so hot in this room. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're working on the fly. This isn't our normal environment, but hey, we're figuring it out. We're making it work. Yeah. It's going to be all right. Okay, so yeah, we'll just dive into our main three movies that we'll be talking about. So first off, I want to ask you about Color Out of Space. I think I liked it more than you did, especially I've seen it multiple times now. Um, but yeah, starring Nicolas Cage, how did you feel about it? What What's the overall plot? How does it tie into Lovecraft? We'll just have a talk about that. Do we want to rank the movies on how much we like the three? Yes. Okay. I like that. So, we will start with Color Out of Space, like he just said. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. But I have a question for myself. Yeah. Would I have enjoyed Color Out of Space without Nicolas Cage in his unhinged starring oh, role? I don't think I would have. Nicolas Cage that. makes the movie. And I like the story and I like the cosmic horror that surrounds it. Mm -hmm. I love the effects, too. Yeah. They really illustrate it all in an interesting way. Mm -hmm. But without Nicolas Cage, I think it loses a lot of its charm. That's very true. Um... I think that's probably the only reason why I watched it was because Nicolas Cage was in it. I had no clue what it was about, and I was kind of blown away. Especially, have you seen Mandy? I haven't. Okay. Um, it's been on my list, though. I definitely like Color Out of Space more. I've heard the opposite from most people. Really? Yeah, I've heard that people like Mandy more, but I need to see Mandy. I kept falling asleep during Mandy, and then I had to watch it under the influence and it got better but i still just like you know i've given this two tries don't love it so we'll we'll write it off just, yeah bit. write yeah. it off other than cheddar goblins in it you gotta watch it for cheddar goblin it's goblin good i'll tell you that much <laughs> okay <laughs> i don't know what that is but i'm gonna find out i have a cheddar goblin shirt somewhere really just, cool <laughs> it's like this little gremlin eating a bunch of mac and cheese and it says it's goblin good Sweet. It's one of my bar shirts, and no one ever knows what it means, but it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, yes, I think the Lovecraftian themes are very evident in that movie. Um, it's pretty much a meteorite or asteroid comes down in Nicolas Cage's backyard, and everything starts changing. Yeah, of the three movies, the Lovecraftian themes stick out most in this. Yes. I mean, even on the cover of the Blu-ray, it says H.P. Lovecraft's Color Out of Space. Exactly. So it is very much a retelling of his short story, Color Out of Space, mm -hmm. but just in a modern setting. And I like it for that. I think it's mysterious. And um, most of the cast members, I thought, did a really good job. Yeah. Like, the girl who plays Lavinia, yep. she was really good in it. The young brother was one of the twins in WandaVision. That's true. He's also in something else, but I can't... Um, the Haunting of Hill House. I haven't seen it. I Yeah, he's in that. Okay. Um, big glasses. At least I think so. I could be completely wrong. Who cares? Um, but yeah, I thought the cast was good. I can't remember. Lavinia has like that fling with that one guy. Yeah, the hydrologist. Yeah, and I thought he was good in it. He was kind of yeah. like... He was the one that's just like, something's wrong He's here. the normal one. Yeah. And Tommy Chong is great, too. <laughs> yeah. He... He plays Tommy Chong in the movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I really like the movie, especially watching it a second time. Um, it's a lot of fun once you look at it for what it is. You can't go into it expecting to be blown away, I guess. Yeah. But it's a lot of fun. That's one I'll keep in my rotation and watch it hopefully often. Um, I just love it. It's very different. The visual... The entire visual experience of that movie is just fun. Everything's changing. And it's cool you see the subtleties of, you know, the meteorite lands and, like, a colorful flower blooms. And then the next time it shows the exact same shot, there's more flowers. And then it'll show the same shot later. And it's just, it looks like a different planet. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously, because the whole point is, like, it's a color that people, it's new to people. Like, it's out of space. Yeah. 
Like it says in the title. I know I've said Color Out of Space like six times. But it's something that people have never seen or perceived before. Mm -hmm. And even though you can't illustrate that because you can't make a new color in a movie, I think they show the audience that in a pretty good way. Yeah, I agree. And pretty much, I want to hear what you think about this. There's a reason why we're going in this order. The almost same plot would be Annihilation by Alex Garland, A Meteorite Lands. Everything changes, it's a weird color, and they have the shimmer in that one. I was even going to mention that I think Annihilation is is a loose adaptation of Colorado Space. Yeah, they're so similar. Um, But, yeah, like you said, Colorado Space references, this is based on H.P. Lovecraft's story, Annihilation doesn't. Yeah. And they're the same thing, just told from a different perspective. One of them, it lands... In Nicolas Cage's backyard, one of them it lands at this lighthouse and they send the military there. Yep. Um, so how did you feel about Annihilation? Was it a first watch? Have you seen it before? I've seen it before. Okay. I love the movie. I think it's great. Yeah. Um, I think it handles the themes better than Colorado Space did. Mm-hmm. Even I though Colorado yeah. Space is kind of the originator, the, the short story, not the movie. Mm-hmm. But um, I liked the way Annihilation handled it in kind of like a militaristic way. Yes. Like it seemed more, rather than it coming to you, mm. whereas the meteorite lands in Nicolas Cage's backyard, it's them venturing into the mystery. That's true. Which I think makes it kind of cooler. Yeah. And that's another thing is they just keep sending people in there. No one comes out and they never hear from them. And yep. so it has like... I think that one's probably more scary than Color Out of Space. Like, I think so, too. I think Color Out of Space is more thrilling, not more The effects thrilling. are better in Annihilation, too, but yeah. the, the budget's much higher as well. Yeah, because it's Alex Garland, and yeah. he killed it with Ex Machina. Um, but, yeah, I think with a lot of these Lovecraftian movies, I'm not scared when I'm watching them. It's just more, you're tense, um... You don't really know what's going on, and you're just waiting to see if you'll figure it out. But I think, like you said with Annihilation, there's something scary about them going inside the Shimmer. Like, when they stop right outside of it, and then they start going in, you're just like, what in the world is going to happen? And and you wonder if it's even going to let them in. Yeah, that's true. Um, There's one scene in it with, like, an alligator that's, changed and has multiple rows of teeth yeah and did you watch any of the special features i haven't so they told all the actresses because it's a group of girls they were like yeah stand there um and we'll tell you when to act like something pops out and they had an actual like they had an actual rubber mechanism like a whole mechanism that make it jump out and so their reactions to it jumping actually out were legit reactions that's yeah. cool i love when people do that kind of stuff same when making movies yeah and so it's cool because you they all like yell and like point their guns at it and then you see them just start laughing and like drop their guns and like what the heck yeah um so I, yeah i thought that was really cool um but the cast in annihilation i think is incredible tessa thompson rules yeah oscar isaac yep uh jennifer jason lee yeah she's awesome she's um, great in possessor Oh, I love Possessor. I wanted to bring it home and show my family, and I forgot it. They have Possessor, I think, on Hulu. Is it the uncut version, It's though? not the uncut I've version. only seen the uncut. I, I almost want to watch the regular just for the differences. I don't, because I don't I don't <laughs> want it to be less of what I saw. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Possessor's awesome. Uh, I think that's by Brandon? Brandon Cronenberg. Cronenberg. Yep. Um, we'll have to do an episode on Cronenberg and body Definitely. horror. There's a lot to experience there. Yes. I I like a lot of his stuff, but um, yeah, we'll have to do a deeper dive and watch a bunch of them. So do you have anything else you want to say on Annihilation or Alex Garland or any of Natalie Portman who rules? Natalie Portman's great in everything. <laughs> That's true. She's great in everything. But yes. um, I, I do really like Alex Garland. I haven't seen his new series, Devs, which mm-hmm. is on Hulu. I've heard good things about it, but... um. Ex Machina is incredible if you yeah. haven't seen it. I watched it once and I, I, I enjoyed it, but I didn't think it was as amazing as I heard people say it was. Okay. And then about probably a year later, I decided to watch it again mm-hmm. late one night and I thought it was incredible. It was really, really cool. I had the opposite experience. I watched it and was just in love immediately. 
And then with Annihilation, the first time I watched it, I was just like, I don't get it. Yeah. I thought it was kind of boring. I was just like, yeah, this sucks. Um, and then I gave it like a year, watched it uh, like last month, and I was just blown away. It's incredible. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack in both of his movies so mm-hmm. far. And I think his new one that's, I don't think it's even being made yet, but it's probably pre-production, is called Men. Okay. Don't know what it's about, but it's probably going to be sci-fi from Alex Garland, yeah. so it'll probably be good. And I will definitely see it. Me too. He's on the list of directors where you come out with something, I'm definitely going to watch it. Yep. Um, so, like I said earlier, a meteorite, an alien meteorite goes and lands at a lighthouse. And so that's how we get the jump to our next movie, and the one we'll talk about the most, um... The Lighthouse by Robert Eggers, who again is a director who, whenever he has something coming out, I'm going to go watch it. Me too. He's he's quickly become one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. The Witch, The Lighthouse, and uh, coming, I think, this year, The Northman. Yes. I cannot wait. It's I being described as a Viking revenge story, and that's oh. all I need to hear. <laughs> I'm in. Um, yeah, he's awesome, and it's pretty much two actors in the entire movie, and it's... The incredible Robert Pattinson, which, say what you will about Twilight or whatever, he's an incredible actor. He is. He's, um, he's one of my current favorites. Yeah. And every time he gets brought up online or in person and I hear people talk about him, it's always just, oh, the Twilight guy? Yeah. The Twilight guy is going to be Batman? It's like, you've not seen anything he's been in but Twilight. Exactly. Because he's, he's so incredible. good. Good time, um, The Lighthouse, I, I can't think of anything else. Uh, High Life. Have you seen High Life? No. Claire Denis? No. It's good. Okay. It's really, really weird. And I don't like it as much as um, Good Time or mm-hmm. The Lighthouse by any means, but it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'll check it out. Pretty much anything with him, I'll I'll watch it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm so excited for Batman with him. Oh, He's me gonna too. He's going to do great. Hopefully they don't ride him terribly or something, but I think I... he can... He can pull something off. I trust Matt Reeves. I thought his Planet of the Apes movies were really good. Have you seen seen the new ones? No. No. They're good. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And the other actor in this is the iconic Willem Dafoe. He's probably most known by a lot of people as the Green Goblin from Spider-Man. But he's so good in this movie. He's unreal. Like, he... You don't even recognize him. Yeah. He he becomes a different person. And there's a certain monologue scene <sighs> where he just transforms. Yes. And it's just pure, like, anger and hurt, and it's it's unreal to see. And it's funny. Like, that's that scene is just so perfect, and we just watched it. We watched it with my mom and my sister, and, like, just watching everyone's reactions to it, because, like, there's some terror to it like the way the lighting's up under his face it's the lighthouse is done in black and white and i think it's done masterfully um because the lighting's incredible but like the way the lighting's done on his face it's like black white there's so much contrast and it's terrifying but what his whole monologue is about is he's cursing robert patton's because he doesn't like his food yep doesn't Um, like his cooking yeah and so he's just like cursing him to eternity and saying poseidon's gonna kill you and stuff like that um, and it's funny because at the end, Robert Pattinson is just like, okay, you win. Have it your way. Have it your way. I like your food. And so <laughs> then it just, <laughs> it just stops. Yeah. They're just not fighting anymore. Um, yeah, that's one of the greatest monologues I've ever seen. Like it, if someone asked me what's the best monologue I've seen, I would definitely just be like, that one? Yeah. Um, I can't think of any off it, the top of my cause head. Because it's not just what's being said, it's his face. It's Yeah. Th- and with the uh, aspect ratio, I believe it's 133 to 1, which mm-hmm. is the old Academy ratio. Mm-hmm. And it just it's like a square in the middle of the screen. It doesn't give you anywhere else to look but right in the center. Exactly. So you are just purely focused intentionally on what's going on on screen. You can't look to the background. You just see his face with that horrifying lighting. Yeah. And just his pure anger. Of course. And I guess I should talk about the plot in case people haven't seen it. This is one I would recommend to a lot of people. Probably not everyone because it's it's definitely hard to watch a black and white movie that the the language they use is old-timey. I have to watch it with subtitles. I think the first time I watched it, I didn't use subtitles. Yeah, I saw um, it in a theater, so I didn't have subtitles the first yeah. time. Man, I wish theaters had subtitles. I think you can get little things that have subtitles, but 
Um, that'd make my life a lot easier. But, I love subtitles. <laughs> yeah, so essentially it's just two guys trapped on an island for a lighthouse, and they just maintain the lighthouse. And Willem Dafoe's character, um, he's the main, the head honcho, and he tends to the light. And Robert Pattinson, he has all the demeaning jobs where he's cleaning up poop and painting and all that stuff. He does everything else. Yeah. Because Willem Dafoe's character does literally nothing the entire movie. Yes. You don't see him work more than a couple times, and it's mm-hmm. only because Robert Pattinson's character needs help to complete something yeah. he couldn't do on his own. Yeah, physically can't do it. And, and even then, he kind And of... one of those times, it utterly fails, and yeah. he falls out of the painting chair, <laughs> yeah. trolley, whatever you want to call it. Um, Lift. And I guess my favorite character in that movie is the, the seagulls. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. They play a big role, and like it's kind of funny at first, you know, just annoying little birds and... Um, Willem Dafoe is just like, it's bad luck to mess with a bird or something. And then as, uh, Robert Pattinson messes with the birds more as they get on his nerves, things go downhill. And so, you know, maybe he's right. Maybe it is a bad omen, but I do wonder about the lighthouses. How, how accurate is what we're seeing? Like, is that what's actually happening, or because we see it from Robert Pattinson's perspective? Yeah. So if we saw it from Willem Dafoe's perspective, would we see the same thing, which is pretty much Robert Pattinson going mad, or Willem Dafoe having some supernatural? I don't yeah, know. You see him with like the seashell crown and yeah. everything. I think that even though there's not really a sense of narration, I think that Robert Pattinson's character is a very unreliable narrator. Yes. Like, we're seeing a lot of things figuratively Mm. rather than what's actually happening. Because I don't think any of the supernatural things are going on, except for maybe with the light. Yeah. I think there may be something there. I don't know. It's it's weird. I definitely think the... The mermaid, he sees a mermaid and, like, has sex with her or something. Yeah. I think that's... Not real because he finds that little statue that's a yeah. like a naked mermaid carved out and he masturbates to it. Yeah, I and think I don't think that's happening with the mermaid either. Yeah, I just think that's him visualizing his masturbation sessions. Yeah. But then yeah, the stuff with the lighthouse, like Willem Dafoe's up there is he masturbating in the some like it almost, drops down? It almost looks like he's just like like yeah. praying to it or something or opening himself to it. But you also see like the tentacles up there. Yeah. And I think the goop that's dropping down is like from the Kraken type okay. thing. Yeah. But then again, are we doing spoilers now, I guess? Yeah. Okay. So whenever Robert Pattinson's character goes up to the top, you would think that if that organism or creature or whatever it is is up there mm-hmm. something would like reach out to him or come out where he would see it and you don't see that it's just the light and the static yeah. and the power from the lighthouse mm-hmm. um, and even then like when he is up there I still feel like there's a supernatural element like it's not a sea monster but you know he's staring at the light and it opens on its own like yeah. his hands don't he move he never the, opens it yeah the light opens on its own and then like the the tone on his face, like, visual-wise, yeah. um, just goes crazy. The audio gets so distorted, and it's just him screaming. It's like pure static. Yeah. Um, it's my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, it's so good. I forgot all about it, too, until we were watching it, and I was just like... Like, oh, yeah, that's coming. Oh, yeah, yeah. and once he starts screaming, it's insane. I wonder what would have happened had he locked the gate so that he couldn't fall back down the stairs. Like, if you stay up there, what happens? Yeah. I don't know. He probably just gets super naked and then just goes crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wonder which of them actually is going crazy. Like, I know Robert Pattinson, at one point, there's, like, weeks of missed time. Because he's yeah. just like, yeah, they didn't come this morning, but we'll be fine. And then Willem Dafoe's like, what are you talking about? We've been stuck here for weeks. No one's coming to get you because of this crazy storm that's happening. And Robert Pattinson's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? And there's no real way to prove yeah. either way. 
And I, I think the first time I saw it, I wondered, like, okay, is Willem Dafoe's character trying to mislead Robert Pattinson to make him feel like he's going crazy or something? Yeah, because he's, he did that, like, in earlier in the movie. He's like, you're getting high marks in my, in my book that I'm, like, writing. I'm yeah. saying real good stuff about you. And then later there's a big storm and his notes are floating around. Robert Pattinson picks him up and it's just like, I, he's like, this guy sucks. He's always late. He's missing. Um, I recommend severance without compensation. Yeah. And then that's when Robert Pattinson flips. But yeah, like he told him, hey, you're doing great. And then he wrote the opposite. So how much of this is Willem Dafoe driving him mad? But I also wonder, because after I saw it the first time, I kind of got a different perspective because I learned that in the script when they were shooting it, the characters are only credited as young and old. Mm -hmm. Their names do not appear in the script except for when they're telling each other their names. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if the finding of the notes, the misleading, the going crazy, I wonder if it is him struggling with himself. Like the older version criticizing who he used to be with the logbook. Okay. And saying... I'm like he's trying to repay for being horrible. Yeah. He's trying to repay for never showing up previously, or he Holy feels guilt for yeah. not being good. Okay, I did not think of that. I did notice when we were we had subtitles on, and at one point, I think it had Robert Pattinson speaking as um, I can't remember the name of the the fake name he gives Ephraim Ephraim yeah. Ephraim Winslow and then. Later on, when he says something, it says Tommy or something like yeah. that. Um, and then, like, later on after that, it went back to calling him Ephraim. And yeah. I was just like, that's weird. I don't know if it was just something that whoever's doing the subtitles yeah, that's, messed up. Yeah, that's or... the thing. is Whoever's doing the subtitles usually, I don't think, is involved in the production of the movie. Yeah. It's just somebody probably at that that's what streaming I figured, service but, or something. Yeah. If I was making a movie and something like that happened, like, I don't know the names change, I would definitely be like, let's make sure the subtitles are, yeah. you know, right. subtitles can really inform a lot of the story when you watch it. You can get a lot of clues. Yeah, there's another part when they are, they're having a yelling contest and they're both like yelling at the same time. The subtitles showed only Willem Dafoe's subtitles and I couldn't understand what Robert Pattinson was saying. Yeah. And like, I was like, that's weird because I consciously noticed that it made me on Willem Dafoe's side. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I see that. Which is just weird, and that's something that it's... If it alters my opinion of the movie, I'd be very upset if I was a director or something and didn't have say in that one thing. Exactly. Um, and I've seen, I've seen so many movies with subtitles, it's not hard to get both people's stuff. Like, you could... Some of them will have someone's thing on one side and one on the other. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they didn't do that for this one. So I just noticed that and thought it was weird. That so, is strange. I, did, I didn't notice that when we were watching it. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll try to tie this into Lovecraft. I do think, out of all the movies we've talked about, that The Lighthouse, I'd say, is the least Lovecraftian horror. I, I still think, think so, it, too. I still think it hits the elements of... Like an unknown horror, um, you don't know, you're not sure if what you're seeing is real, if it's of this world, if it's not, like the big octopus thing. Um, but I still think it ties in and like I would classify it as Lovecraftian horror. I would too. Um, do you have any thoughts on like, do you have any specific things other than the like octopus monster I do, um, like with the the storm that just surrounds them mm -hmm. always. Like the storm is definitely a consequence of Robert Pattinson's character killing the seabird. Yeah, because he kills the bird, That's and true. immediately there is like a swarm of them in the air, and mm -hmm. the winds change. Yeah, so it's like he kills that bird, and something decides you're not leaving this island. Yeah, Th that actually reminds me. Um... Before that happens, and before Willem Dafoe says, you know, killing a seabird's a bad omen, like, right before that, or a, he says it's bad luck, right before that, uh, Robert Pattinson says, hey, what happened to your last partner? And Willem Dafoe's like, he went crazy, he was talking about, you know, something in the light, and then he was like, he was claiming bad omens and stuff like that, and then, like, two sentences later, he's like, 
don't harm a seabird. It's bad luck. Yeah. And like, he literally just said, oh, that guy's going crazy. He's talking about, you know, bad omens. And then he just tells Robert Pattinson, oh, that's a, that's a bad omen if you kill a seabird. Yeah. And so I thought that of, that was kind of contradictory. And that's another thing that kind of ties in to if, like, the theory that they may possibly be the same person mm-hmm. is that the older one is warning the younger one not to kill the seabird because the result of that is getting trapped there forever. Yeah. So he's maybe trying to break that loop. If there is a Man, loop... Man, you're blowing my see, mind right now. It's a confusing movie because <laughs> it doesn't explain any of that type of yeah. stuff. But there's a lot of subtext you can get into. Because the older one is trying to tell the younger one, don't do this, don't do that. Yeah. He's trying to distract him with his work. And so he doesn't focus name. on the light or the seagulls. Man, this is going... This is wild. Um... Yeah, they both are called Thomas. Yeah, they're um, both Tom. Yeah, one goes by Tommy, and then the other one, the older one goes by Tom, so, you know, eventually you'll drop the Tommy, maybe, and go by Tom. Yeah, and, um, like, Robert Pattinson's character talking about his co-worker that accidentally died. Yeah. Finger quotes, accidentally. Yep. I think he did probably kill him. It sounded like Because you see the, like, flashback of him with the hook. Yeah. Looking at the back of his head. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I didn't do it. He fell into the water and the logs got him. Like, mm-hmm. I don't buy that. I don't all. either. And there's the story of the older one killing his second who worked with him. That's so true. That have, is that the same story? I don't know. Jeez, that's crazy. I never thought of that. I, I wish know. I wish you'd brought it up earlier I, and I'd have time to think before I be, we watched it. I could no, be totally, totally wrong. Yeah. But. I mean, who knows? Um, and one more thing was another awesome monologue was when Robert Pattinson's burying Willem Dafoe, who's still alive. <laughs> he's still talking. He's throwing dirt on him and he's giving this monologue and like yelling and then he gets dirt in his mouth and like there's no cuts. It's just a camera on his face. Doesn't stop. And he like is talking with dirt going down his throat. Like that has to be so hard. Also, this would not be a fun movie to act in. Oh no. Or shoot. It's raining, everything's wet. It's very tense all the time. The weather's horrible like the entire movie. Yeah. It doesn't look great. Like, it would be a fun movie to shoot. No, I don't think so at all. But yeah, Willem Dafoe in it, like you said, his monologues are just crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of him now. So, I mean, now, I, I guess I always have been. Yeah. But um, I'd like to go back and see some of his older stuff. Me too. I've not really seen him in very much. Yeah. Um, I know the Not A Bomb guys did... Oh, uh, Streets of Fire, maybe? I don't know if that's a movie or not. Okay, I don't um, know. It was something like that, that he's in. It's a musical. Really? That he okay. sings in. Um, I should look it up. Wasn't he in Mississippi Burning, too? I have no clue what that is. It's a uh, <laughs> it's a movie set back in like the Civil Rights Movement. I've not seen it, but I think he's in it. And I'm trying to think. I know there's something else that I know he was... Oh, um, At Eternity's Gate. It's a uh, movie about Vincent Van Gogh's life where he plays him. Okay. But I've not watched it yet. I haven't seen that one either. It is called Streets of Fire by Walter Hill. Um, he plays Raven Shattuck. Hmm. Uh, he's also in Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, he's in um, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou as nice. well. Um, yep, the Spider-Man movies like we talked about. Uh, he voices a character in Fantastic Mr. Fox. I think he voices yes. the rat. Yep. Uh, voices a character in Finding Dory and Finding Nemo. I don't know which one. I don't either. Um, oh, yeah. He's also in Wild at Heart by David Lynch. Oh, yeah. Um, I knew I'd seen him recently. That's about all that I've seen. And, of course, like you said, the Spider-Man movies. Yeah, of course. Or the Spider-Man movie. I don't think he has any, like, Rise from the Dead appearances in the other two. He he <laughs> does in, like, flashbacks. Because yeah. Because James Franco, like, starts going crazy and becomes the Green Goblin. Yeah. And it's, like, his dad talking to him, like, Spider-Man murdered me. Um, you gotta kill Spider-Man. Yeah, exactly. So, and he's still just as scary in those. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The Spider-Man movies, I just watched them all. And, like, 3 gets a bad rep, 
It's still a lot of fun. It's, oh, I, lo- I love three. It's not as good as the other two, like, on a movie level, but as a Spider-Man movie, it's fun. It's overloaded with villains, and it's goofy, <laughs> yeah. but, like, that's okay. There's yeah. nothing necessarily wrong with that for exactly. that kind of movie. Um, and, like, in a superhero movie, I kind of want there to be, like, a lot of villains yeah. that are, like, just wild and goofy and... Um, like, they don't all have to be super important. Like, you can have Venom on the side and Sandman and the... The yeah. new, new Goblin or whatever they called James Franco at the yeah. time. And even the the dancing scene that is like oh. a meme and gets a lot of bad looks. <laughs> it's so I was much looking, fun. I was looking forward to when it came up and I was just like, that's real cheesy, but that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and you can kind of look at it differently now that those aren't the only Spider-Man movies we have. That's too. true. Which I think I've liked every... Oh, no, I haven't seen the Amazing Spider-Man movies. I like them. They're, I don't like them as much as the new ones, but I do mm-hmm. enjoy them. I thought Andrew Garfield was really good. Right. And Emma Stone's great in them. Yeah. Uh, I love the newest ones with Tom Holland. Yep, me too. Um, he's my favorite Spider-Man. Yeah. he's He just has like the boyish charm to him. Like The other yeah. ones I feel like are more men, um, but he has like the boyish charm of Spider-Man. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were talking about Lovecraft. And not, oh, and now not, we're talking about Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I guess that's pretty much all I want to say. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? It's getting hot in here. It's raining and storming. Yeah, with um, I do just want to say with those three movies, I, I like them in the order that we talked about them. Okay. I, uh, I like Color Out of Space least, which doesn't mean I don't like it. I did yeah. enjoy it. And Annihilation's in the middle. Which isn't to say that it's not great, because it is. Mm -hmm. And The Lighthouse, because I think The Lighthouse is just a... It's an extremely unique experience of a movie. Like, there's not very many movies that I think are as good as The Lighthouse is. Yeah. Um, I definitely agree. When we were watching The Lighthouse out there, I was getting, like, watching some Ingmar Bergman stuff. Because, like, the black and white. But... That seems like a movie that will be good for a very long time. It, it won't ever age, because yeah. there's not a ton of special effects. It's exactly. in black and white. I think that The Lighthouse and Persona would be a great double feature. Yeah, I agree. Um, which we need to do an episode about Bergman, too, because yep. that'd be great. But yeah, watching it, it just threw me back. I was like, this is something that should be great for a long time, and when if I have kids and they're my age, be like, you guys gotta check this out. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's awesome. And two amazing actors. I Absolutely. They uh, both should have won the Oscar, but I don't think either one was even nominated, so yeah. that's unfortunate. I was... <laughs> I'm so upset that, like, Willem Dafoe was not nominated for anything, because, yeah, he's incredible. Yeah, the only Oscar that it was nominated for, The Lighthouse, was Best Cinematography, which it, it could have won. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly what won last year, but Lighthouse was yeah, definitely yeah. worthy. Yeah. Um, and... I'm looking forward to seeing what Robert Eggers puts out next. Oh, me too. Um, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. And if you guys haven't seen The Lighthouse and you're listening, what are you doing? Check out The Lighthouse. Um, write in. Let us know how you feel. Friendswithcinefits at gmail.com. We got uh, on Twitter at cinefitspod. Um, yeah, let us know what you think. I love The Lighthouse. I also am probably the same order that you are, but like... I love all of these movies. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, Color Out of Space would be last just because you take Nicolas Cage, like you said, out of that. Um, doesn't hold up as well, but Nicolas Cage is in it, and that's why we love it. Um, also, could you imagine The Lighthouse without either Robert Pattinson or Willem Dafoe? No. I, <laughs> I don't imagine Nicolas Cage in The Lighthouse. <laughs> That would be pretty cool, actually. Him and Willem Dafoe's role would probably work. Yeah. Um, other than those three actors, like, yeah, no I one gets that crazy. No. It's like they are totally just invested in it. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. Check it out. Tell your friends. But, yeah, The Lighthouse and Lovecraft. If you guys have seen any other Lovecraft movies that we didn't talk about, then, like I said, write in. Um, I don't think... Lovecraftian horror is my favorite like horror genre, but it's really fun to you know throw one or two of these in every month or so and just see what happens because I like the ambiguity and the cosmic horror I guess um, 
that's involved in these movies. Me too. If I see more of these type of movies coming out, I'll definitely be interested in watching them because yeah. I think it's a really interesting subgenre, if you want to call it that. Yeah. And Wikipedia has an entire list of um, movies based on Lovecraftian works. There's a lot of them. Most of them are kind of like Cthulhu Mansion, where it's <laughs> just these low-budget slashers, I guess. Um, but, yeah, check them out if this is something that you're interested in. Yeah, and if you do check out The Lighthouse and enjoy it, you should also check out The Witch, which is also by Robert Eggers. Yes. I I need to rewatch that one, too, because I remember watching it and liking it, but I don't think I loved it. So I need to watch it again. Yeah, I think I've seen it twice now. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, really enjoy it. It's great. It's yeah. got Anya Taylor-Joy, and she's really, really good in mm-hmm. it. This was like a while back before she... Yeah, before like, like she got... I can't remember what she was in. Uh, Queen's Gambit yeah. is what kind of skyrocketed her, mm-hmm. I think. She was in New Mutants, too, but I haven't seen that, and I've mm-hmm. not heard a single good thing about it, so... There you go. Was she in Split? Yeah, she was. Okay, yep. there we go. I, I thought so. But yep, I forgot about that one. Yeah, Split's a good one, too. I haven't seen it. What? I haven't seen any of those three movies, Unbreakable, Split, or Glass. I haven't seen the other two. Split, you can just watch on your on its own, and it'll still cool. be good. James McAvoy's great, so yeah. I have I have no doubt that I'd like it. Yeah, it's pretty good. Check it out. Um, I guess to wrap it up, we should talk about what we're going to watch next. And I'm going to give Kane the floor because I kind of bossed him around and picked the first two, I would say. <laughs> so what do you want to do? What are we going to watch? Our next episode is going to be a weird one. We're going to be talking about the films of Yorgos Lanthimos and the Greek New Wave, also known as the Greek Weird Wave. I got to practice saying it. Yorgos Lanthimos. Yorgos Lanthimos. I did pretty good. You did. I do you got so it. myself. But yeah, um, one of the one of the main films I want to talk about with him is Dogtooth. It's my favorite of his films. It's so weird, but I think there's a lot to dig into with it. And I also really like The Lobster and Killing of a Sacred Deer too. Mm-hmm. So he's got a lot of cool stuff. Um, do you know if those are his only ones? I'm pulling it up. Uh, he's also got The Favorite and Kaneda. I didn't know he did The Favorite. Have you seen The Favorite? No, but it's been on my watch list for. A long thing. We'll talk about it next time. Yes. But he also has a short film. I don't remember what it's called, but I haven't seen it. So okay. I might have to check that out, too. Um, and Oh, it, and Alps. Yes. Alps is good. Um, his short film, Nimic? Nimic. That's it. Yep. Okay. And in 2022, he'll have a movie coming out. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Called awesome. Four Things, so I'm Four sure thing. we'll get into it. I've seen... The Lobster and The Killing of a Sacred Deer, and I can't confirm, they're weird. Very. So, I'm looking forward to watching the rest of his stuff. Um, you guys, if you're listening and haven't heard any of his stuff, check it out. Um, out of those two, which would you recommend? The Killing of a Sacred Deer or The Lobster? To start out with. Start with The Lobster. I agree. <laughs> start with The Lobster. I, I wouldn't watch Killing the, of a Sacred Deer first. I started with The Killing of a Sacred Deer for Family Night. And I'll go on record and say it's not a family movie. Uh, none of them are. So don't watch these with your family if they are sensitive to weird There we go. Movies. But awesome. I'm looking forward to it. And everybody, thank you for listening. Kane, you want to say anything before we wrap up? Yeah, thanks everybody for continuing to listen. And I'm happy to still be here as co-host. And I'm looking forward to what we continue to do here on Friends with Cinefits. Me too. Um, hopefully next one we can put out a little sooner than this one. Um, but I'll be traveling again, so who knows? We'll find some time. But, yeah, everybody, thanks for listening. Write in if you have any questions, comments, whatever, feedback. Email us, friendswithcinefits at gmail.com. Twitter at cinefitspod. Find us, notabombpodcast.com. Listen to those guys, too. Yeah, they're pretty great. I'm going to go visit Troy um, in less than a month, so I'm real excited for it. So, yep, everybody, have a good one. Bye. Thank you.